This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Everything you want, desire, and need is within you, and you are worthy of love. Wild Moon Healing is the personal journey of self-exploration through which you create your life based on how you want to feel. It is not about the law of attraction, manifesting material wealth, or manifesting other people's desires. Rather, Wild Moon Healing is about recovering from the life experiences that have hurt us. It is an inward, truth-seeking journey to gain clarity about your life's purpose. And if you choose, to harness the energy of lunar cycles to gain momentum on your healing path. The moon puts us in a reflective state of mind, and its phases offer us a schedule to follow so we can heal and live in an authentic life. A consistent practice of wild moon healing is an investment in discovering what you believe, value, and enjoy. As you discover your strength and character, you change the way you view yourself and you transform. Part of the transformation involves gaining clarity about what is right in your life. The pain comes, the pain goes, then it comes again. You become angry with yourself, everything must be perfect. You loathe yourself, everything is chaos. Today is amazing, tomorrow not so much. One lunar cycle, you can commit to that. Use her energy. You go after your goal, then hit a barrier in your progress. Life is a dance. Recognize the steps. She illuminates what you need to see. Find your inspiration in her. Become excited and have fun. Moon work is effective. It's energy real. Discover your true self. Restore and heal. You will create your amazing life. Persevere through wild moon healing. Prioritize self-care. Discover, grow, and become the person you are meant to be, because that is a beautiful thing. Valeria interviews Donna Conley. She is the author of Wild Moon Healing, Harness the Energy of Lunar Cycles to Awaken Your Inner Truth. Determined to become an advocate for mental health, Donna S. Conley developed an integrated approach to teach people to discover who they are, what they want, and how to love and accept themselves so they can live their best lives. She began a career as an energy coach, sound healer, meditation teacher, blogger, and wrote Wild Moon Healing while working full-time in corporate America. Donna is working toward her goal of transitioning to a full-time career to help remove the stigma of mental health and normalize loving, committing, believing, and respecting yourself. Donna has had a successful career in the human resources field for over 20 years. She earned a master's degree in her field from UMUC and is a certified health and well-being coach from Duke Health. Human resources is the business of people. 
and Donna has professionally helped, supported, and touched the lives of many people during her career. She was born and raised in Riva, Maryland, but has always considered Reedy, West Virginia, her home. That is where her mind wanders when she thinks about growing up and the summers she spent at her nan-nans. Her Appalachia heritage instilled in her love for mountains and the moon. Donna is the proud mother of a United States Marine. If you can't find her, she's most likely in the woods discovering a new trail to hike or simply admiring the moon. From a total wellness perspective and addressing people as a whole, she believes strongly in the spiritual aspects of health in addition to physical and mental health. She deeply believes everyone has their own inner magic and can use it to create their best life and inspire others. Wild Moon Healing is Donna's first published work. Meet Donna at wildmoonhealers.com. Here's the interview with Donna Conley. In your own words, who is Donna Conley? Donna Conley is um, someone that you can depend on, um, someone who creates safe space for herself as well as others. Um, You know, I'm someone who wants to tell my story and help other people um, heal through my story as an inspiration. What makes us get to that place of feeling safe within our own selves and um, what is to feel safe in a sense of you creating that space for others? What would that feel like for them um, from that perspective? Yeah, well, well, for me, it, it comes from a vulnerable place. Um, when you see my truth or that, you know, my honesty and my authenticity then if I can be vulnerable with you, then that helps you feel safe, even if you don't share back. But you 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 see it in people's um, body language, too. You know, they they can feel relaxed and calm and that they know there is no judgment um, or anything coming their way that's negative. Why do we try to hide our vulnerabilities? the things that are so that's true to us why do we often for some of us um it's certainly not my case at this that at this time because of the work i've been doing what makes us to hide our own truth and not be vulnerable um the top level answer is fear and fear can come from so many um different ways and take shape, like uh, a fear of offending your family or disappointing your family, Um, even even something from your past that creates feelings in you of like guilt and shame, and they, they hold us back from our future potential. Do you believe that love and fear, they are opposites? I do. I believe that love and fear can't live in the same place. You know, you can desire love or freedom or, you know, however you um, state what you want. But as long as you're living in fear, you can't realize those things. And you can feel love or affection for someone, but until you truly love yourself, you can't really experience um, 
love and affection in the way that you may want. Mm. Sounds like common sense to love ourselves. It really does, doesn't it, Donna? But it it's not something that we do naturally or automatically. Yeah, we don't. I really would love to be um, a person who influences future generations to teach their children to love themselves from infancy. But the truth is not everybody has that mom that's going to make them brush their teeth before they go to bed. And and every, not everyone has that dad that comes home every night. You know, it's there's um, just, you know, we have these ideals of what is perfect. You know, like even the perfect ending, people dream about living to an old age and they're surrounded by all their loved ones as they, you know, depart this earth. But not many people get that story for their reality, you know, and, you know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because our experience, we deem it not normal because it doesn't fit this picturesque, you know, thing that we have in our minds. Right, which is uh, very much constructed, right? We we create those ideals, ideas, uh, we kind of believe them or we kind of listen to them from the outside and then we ended up being programmed in a way. Yeah, it has been my case for, wow, for so long when I was 37, 46 now. And I remember living uh, in fear up to that age. And then little by little, kind of uh, letting it go. It's not easy, though, to let go of those patterns that, that they feel very familiar to us. And I remember getting relationships even because they felt familiar with um, my um, my settings growing up, my father, my mother, and they were not the healthiest people in the world. Well, well I have to leave it at that. I wrote a book about it, actually. But yes, it, it, you you understand what I'm, I'm trying to get to. So that was a really uh, was an interesting journey to just letting go of all that. And I don't think I, at this point, I don't think everything is um, has been clear per se. So interestingly, yesterday I ordered a uh, Brazilian lotion. And there's the summer here, uh, or in Florida, it's really hot. And then, uh, and I usually don't do that. I just buy whatever it is from the drugstore, whatever creams, you know, lotions. But then this one came on Amazon and I just ordered and I got it. Then I used it yesterday. Then I started having some memories of the, from the past, came, just came back. I have been here. I left Brazil in, uh, oh, so long ago, uh, it has been 25 years. And then I had dreams even of walking on the street of my old town. So talk to me for a moment about the, these memories. Are they like embedded in ourselves? Because that's what it feels like. Yeah. Right? Well, right now, you are every age you've ever been, every experience you've ever had, every feeling, emotion, everything up to this point that is your collective experience makes who you are right now. They know, they don't leave you. You know, some people want to heal from their trauma thinking that they can erase it. You know, you can't unlearn or unexperience or unsee mm, yeah. certain things that, that are part of your experience. Mm, wow. That is amazing. So when we say we are healed from something, like in my case, a lot of childhood traumas and all that, 
it's actually, uh, you'd say, have been transformed, perhaps, but not healed, because healed would imply, um, actually, I don't know. How do you, what do you, what's your perspective on that, um, Donna? You, you can heal from the effects of your experiences, you know. So you can release um, shame and guilt and unhappiness and even like a negative relationship to money that all these things that you don't think are related to some bad experience you may have had. But those are just the effects of that experience that you brought into your present life and, and future. And those things you can heal from. You know, you, you don't have to live a life of shame. You don't have to live a life of guilt. You know, you don't have to live a life feeling that you are unloved or unworthy of love. You can heal from those feelings, but mm. not necessarily the trauma itself. Right? Mm, yes, that really resonates true to me. So in a way, it's, uh, uh, let's say, reinterpreting the experience. Because I remember making conclusions about what my experience was, how it, how it made me feel. And I kept kind of holding on to that feeling and to the point where I, I was able to release them, right? That misunderstanding. So, and then it changed everything. That makes so much sense to me. Um, what is the goal of healing? So when we talk about healing in, in my website, it's like, that's the main word, <laughs> uh, the key word per se. Uh, healing and spirituality, two things. So those two words, they, they are reoccurring. So what is, um, what's the goal of healing in general? In my definition, I would say the goal is to be able to live authentically, you know, to be able to say, do, and think things that somebody else might you know, look down their nose at you, but that's okay. When you get to that point, you know, that's when life changes. And it's not um, a negative, like you don't have any disregard for the outcome of what you're doing now, but it's just saying that I'm me and I'm allowed to be me. And when you get there, you know, healing doesn't stop. But once you get to that place, you know, your journey is really going to take off. Mm, yes, yeah, so authenticity uh, in a sense of, um, I mean, the way you say, of course, is very uh, easy to understand. I usually say it kind of embracing our own truth, being true to ourselves. That's yes. um, what it keeps coming to me as a message, which is the same thing, authenticity. Yes. Talk to me about the journey to the now, to be who you are with this beautiful, profound wisdom. How did you get here, Donna? Well, I, I lived long enough to make a whole bunch of <laughs> bad decisions. Uh, and, tell me about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and I never really correlated my early years to the way I was living my life in my adult years. Um, but I, I, saw, I saw how those things did affect me into my teens, 20s, 30s. And I was at a point where my body was shutting down my, you know, I'm in a, I was in a job that I was very unhappy with. Really, there was not any area of my life where I was really happy. And it, it had to happen slowly. Um, you know, first, I quit uh, smoking, I took out nicotine. And 
then I got sober and, you know, the, the healing of my body is like the last thing. I still have some things I'm working on. Um, but once you get to that point where it's only physical, at least in my experience, um, you know, it's, you can really see your future. Like, wow, I've done all of this work that allows me to now, um, you know, live, live my truth. I, I didn't realize, you know, I was writing a book or even on a healing journey. I was on a, a quest for physical health. And once I realized that I'm, I needed to take responsibility and accountability, you know, I can't keep going to a doctor while I'm smoking a pack of cigarettes and drinking, you know, to the point of blackout. You know, you, you can't do that. If you go to a doctor for help, and you don't change anything, there's, you're not going to, you know, heal anything at all. And yeah, I, I, once I, my friends started noting, noticing changes in me, they're like, I don't know what you're doing, but Mm -hmm. show me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, up to that point, my spiritual journey was just personal and so then I started telling them, you know, I'm, I'm manifesting with the moon. And as I was teaching them, I didn't realize at the time, but I was writing a uh, draft of my book, Wild Moon Healing. And, you know, so it kind of, the book kind of wrote itself throughout my journey. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's beautiful when it happens. It's uh it's magical, isn't it? And in a way, that's how I think about us human beings and everything that's here. It's just um, kind of thinking itself, creating itself, transforming itself, everything. So that's a very interesting um, topic that I often don't come across. I just interviewed somebody recently about the moon. She's uh, um, she's she holds ceremonies, and um, it's beautiful to the way. Um, she describes the, the rituals and all. So is this, um, so Wild Moon Healing, that's the title of your book, uh, Harness the Energy of Lunar Cycles to Awakening Your Inner Truth. How is the moon being, um, I mean, everything spiritual to me, but from your perspective, the moon being a a physical thing becomes a spiritual practice. It's within the topic of spirituality, so it's spiritual healing. I would love to hear more about you, about the moon and uh, spirituality, the connection. Yeah, the the very first um, time, and I remember so well that um, I was looking up at a full moon, and I'm like, wow, it's another full moon, because the full moon is always caught my attention, the beauty and the mystery of it. But I was like, it's another full moon and I haven't achieved anything that I've set out to do. And so I kind of challenged myself. Well, let's see what you can do by the next full moon. And when you really start paying attention to your time, you realize you waste a lot of time. And the, my study became spiritual because I wanted to know more about this pool to the moon that I had. And I just started working with um, different lunar cycles and realizing under different um, zodiac influences, you know, how my experience changed with each phase of the moon and 
and depending on the, you know, astrological influence. And it just really captivated me. And it, um, so now that's what I, I teach as a coach, you know, how to follow lunar cycles to create your best life. But it also brings it into a manageable four-week block of time. You know, it's like I'm not making this um, goal that I know I'm going to finish in maybe 18 months. That's too far in the future. You know, so some people don't aren't on the spiritual side with me, but from the practical side of, well, I can I can invest in a month of doing this to see what happens. You know, that's yeah. where it all starts, I think, for some people. That's true. Curiosity. That's for sure. That's the for me has been the door to so much uncovering, yes. learning so much, being open. So I'll be asking you more questions about that. But before that, there's something else that caught my attention when you talked about not being happy. And even, uh, as I said, off record, you, your book has 47 exercises, and you say these exercises are to help guide you to happiness and the life you love or life you love. What is your definition of happiness these days, Donna? Well, happiness is something that people try to attain, but you can only experience it in the right now. You know, it's Happiness is not just a feeling, but it's also an experience. And you can't, um, if you're worried about yesterday or you're worried about tomorrow, you can't be in this mode of right now being happy. You know, people plan uh, their families. You know, we can't have a, have our first child until we reach this much income and, and they try to plan happiness and, and perfection and it just doesn't exist. You know, the only thing that exists is right now and being able to find even, even if your current situation is um, unhealthy, if you can find something to be grateful for, that's, um, you know, living right now and just anything that you can see as beautiful or, or you know, yeah. just anywhere in nature or anything, even if it's not your current experience, that's how you start to grasp what happy is. For me, has been interesting, this uh, understanding of happiness. The more I find answers within the, the spiritual realm, I find that if I keep trying to be happy because of something or someone or circumstances or even state of mind, then it's fleeting most of the time and um, it will, it's fleeting, it's just not reliable and it, it just doesn't, kind of doesn't attract me anymore, although I'm still, I'm still trapped within that too and being happy when, let's say, my dog does something. <laughs> You know, the when he, I mean, he's just so cute, then I can't help it but be happy. So, and that's okay because very spontaneous in the moment too. But I'm trying to kind of practice and em embrace, um, however possible, the possibility that happiness cannot be, it's free. It kind of happens. It's not something that we can chase. It's subjective, you know, happy isn't just one thing. And what makes you happy is different from what makes me happy and everybody else. So the 
meaning behind happiness, that's where it is. So when you have meaning, I guess, in your life and what you're doing and what you're working toward, you know, that in and of itself is happiness, right? Mm, yes, right. Even the, the, the feeling of being whole, complete, fulfilled now, then that brings a sense of, of meaning and and kind of, uh, and then from that, um, with the, the foundation, every, happiness kind of shows up more often. That's what I have um, been experiencing. But it's something that I don't see, but it's not something that we can uh, make a concept out of it or, or plan or, I don't know, a program, a course or something like that. It's just... Uh, you, you can't right. hang on to it, you know. Right. Stuff right. your toe or you know, or um, have a car accident on the way to work. And, you know, anything, life keeps going and not every experience is going to be a happy one. And, you know, so you can remember happy times, but you still need to look forward and, you know, like go back to gratitude, finding gratitude in something um, when it's an unhappy time because a happy time is coming. Everything is um, cyclical, just like the moon, right? Mm, yes. Yeah, I hear wisdom with that, right? It's constantly changing, transforming, right? Yeah. So I guess another word I use a lot, a concept, is inner peace. So I kind of focus more on inner peace than happiness. And then from that, happiness arises. And inner peace to me has to do with that idea of being complete and whole. This is it, like this moment. If ended, if the whole journey of body mind ended here, then it would be okay. I would be not happy, but at peace. I use that word a lot. Yes. Well, I love that because happiness is most people something outside of them will determine their level of happiness. But inner peace—that's when you have that inside of yourself because you can't control anything outside of yourself. That's what I love about that, what you just said. Yes, yeah, that, that's it, yes. <laughs> so that's my focus. But it's a practice, like everything else, right, Donna? It's not something that we, well, uh, practice for the body-mind. Um, but there is something here that's uh, eternal, that's permanent, that I can sense. But it's, um, I don't think I can sense. It's, yeah, it cannot be experienced. But within the experience can be, it can be realized that there's something else besides body mind, <laughs> something that uh, is aware of the content of the mind and obviously the body, the physical body. So it's um, that that has been my my practice, which is a very spiritual one based on Vedanta. I'm not sure if you heard about this Hindu philosophy. It's a non-duality philosophy. This is another conversation, podcast conversation. <laughs> so talk to me a bit more about the book and also the, uh, the Wild Moon Healing. Is that um, you also offer, a, um, this, are they gatherings, uh, a course program besides the book? How do you kind of dance with this Wild Moon Healing concept in practice? Um, in practice, it's a personal practice. Um, yeah. I do have some friends where we do some full moon um, rituals together. Right. Um, but usually our lives are so busy. Sometimes we've even Zoomed each other in. But um, most of the time, it's it's just a personal practice. Um, you know, in my coaching, I try to teach people to use their own autonomy to create what feels right to them. Um 
and and the consistency of it is the word daily practice you know it's it's you can't wait just for a full moon or you know you you can't um just put like meditation you know how to do it in your back pocket and then pull it out when something is upsetting and you're trying to calm down you know you need a a daily practice um so following the moon is just a small piece of the it's just a you know a physical thing that you can see and track as yeah. the moon grows and shrinks in the sky but mm. you know if you want to follow the moon you need to learn about the sun you mm. know it brings everything is is balance yes and that is so true everything's balance yeah which is really i i can see visualize that as uh, this dynamic uh, happening movement it's always right one day it's it's a movement that's what Basically, this is the experience of the ex experiences, right, Donna? In general, they are movements, right, of being balanced and then um, being out of balance to go back to balance. So it's a, it's an interesting dance. How how, how amazing! And when you're following um, lunar cycles along with those exercises in my book, the focus changes with each of the phases. But at the same time, the focus remains on you, you know, because you're the only thing you can control. And so that's, um, you know, there's 47 exercises, but a lot of people will come at it differently. So you can pick and choose the ones that feel right to you. Yes, I love that because it's there's something about the, the human experience that it's very individualized. It's very unique, although it's one essence from my perspective, just one reality, not two. But it's so, um, it's inc I mean, it's wonderful to just see how how diverse it is. It's just so amazing how the one can become all this multiplicity. And it's so unique. And there's something in your book, I think this I found in your book on your bio, I'm not sure. You say, everything you want, desire, and need is within you. So that caught my attention because it's exactly that. Uh, within you, I'm, what I see is that essence. So accessing the essence that connects everything will illumine the truth, which is, is usually a universal one. Yeah, people learn... Yeah, they try to learn how to experience love and all of these things, but all of these wonderful things reside in each and every one of us, even if we don't realize it right now, you know, because we get caught up in our experience and our environment and things that pull us in, but um, everything you need is within you. You know, you don't have to hang on to this person in an unhealthy relationship to feel needed. You, you're needed inside. You know, it's it's all love and feeling of worthiness and, you know, compassion and empathy. You're allowed to feel all of these things for yourself and within yourself. Yeah, talk to me about the, uh, the you call it delicate ego. Why did you choose <laughs> to use this um, description for the ego? <laughs> well, the ego is, people, I guess, don't really understand it. It has a very, very important job. It just tends to do it 
too well. <laughs> yes. <you know>? So <laughs> yeah. if, if you have any experience where someone made fun of you or, or whatever that experience happens to be, the ego never forgets. And that's when we start building these walls of protection. The ego is like, nope, nope, don't do that. That might harm you again. And, you know, it keeps you from healthy relationships. It keeps you from doing things that you enjoy. So the that's in that respect, the ego is very delicate because it doesn't take much for it to start throwing up all these protections to make sure that doesn't happen to you again. So once we find our own truth, the, the deeper we go into what, who we are, um, is the ego integrated? It's removed. What happens to the ego, Donna? And what emerges? What would you call that, which is driving our lives? Um, it, they work more well together. It's, it's that whole balancing act within from the ego and the subconscious. It's like the ego might be like, oh, we have to do this. And the subconscious is like, no, we really don't. And it's more of an ebb and flow and a balance inside that lets you live. But obviously, you know, not doing something that will bring you harm without, you know, jeopardizing your happiness and fulfillment. Yeah. So you call it the the subconscious that's um that's interesting i i usually refer to that i mean consciousness i usually call it pure consciousness or i would say the heart some people call it the soul the spirit it's interesting to hear the subconscious which is is that part of us that's um let's say wiser right that holds a lot of universal wisdom would that be the a general description yeah, I think as you grow in spirituality, the subconscious becomes the conscious because you're more in a line with the divine or your higher self or however you define it. Yeah. 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 So that makes a lot of sense. So in a way now the ego is being, uh, let's say, is being trained <laughs> uh, to to listen, right, to the subconscious, to the heart, as I call it, or, or, or pure consciousness. Um, you also talk about the divine feminine, which has to do with the moon. In a book, you say the divine feminine energy of the moon should remind you that you were made wonderfully in a whole just as life has molded you. So that resonated true to me, uh, speaking of wholeness, being complete and wonderful. <laughs> so divine feminine energy uh, is the more representation of that which is within ourselves. We have both, right, Donna, the feminine and yes. the Yes, yes, everybody. And it's, it's not um, a gender thing. It's an energetic thing. Right, right. You know, so the divine feminine is more on the side of your emotions and your feelings, which we are our own worst critic. But when you have, um, you know, a one whistle with the divine feminine energy, you learn to show yourself more grace and, and things that uh, honor yourself in, in ways that make you feel good. And you know, the more I kind of, uh, let's say, feel these energies, the more I see that the feminine energy is so much more in alignment with um, which that um, what we call, let's say, uh, enlightenment 
or yes. the spiritual mind or the heart. I'm wondering why. I know that the masculine energy is very important too because it leads us to do something. I think that has to do with um, putting kind of the inspiration that's being uh, harnessed by the feminine. Now it's being kind of expressed through action by the masculine energy, I think. Yes. Well, the more you're in tune with your feminine side, the more your actions are going to show your true nature. And, um, you know, if, if I see, you know, behavior that's anger or this, they're hiding something. You know, I, I see hurt when I see somebody, you know, behaving in an unloving manner. Um, and when you in tune to the moon and these divine feminine energies, it just helps you show, as you learn to show grace to yourself, you're able to do so with everyone else. Mm, yes. Wow. Beautifully said. Yes. You see, that's wisdom that's, I mean, it's transcendent. It's universal in the sense that if we all understood this much, <laughs> then uh, this reality would be very, very much different than it is now. Uh, would end all conflicts because then we would see, right, the expression of anger, resentment, violence as pain. Oh, they are hurt. Uh, how can I help? Instead of criticizing or making things worse. Or retaliating, right? Going against that, um, kind of trying to stop violence with violence, which we see that a lot. That doesn't work. Yeah, they say there's a, I've heard it a, a whole million times, you know, love makes the world go round. But I think the meaning is even deeper. Self-love makes the world go round. Because if you don't love yourself, you can't show love, true love to anybody else. Mm, yes, <laughs> yes, I, I must agree. <laughs> I know it, I'm, I'm the path of knowledge and exploration. So I'm always, I keep myself open and I do ask, the, I, I have met so many amazing people and I keep asking that question. What is self-love to you? Self-love, self, you know, was so much. And I remember listening, uh, hearing, I think two or three people saying, not necessarily, it's possible to, to love somebody before we love ourselves and then learn how to love ourselves. So I got that answer and then I was trying to be open to that. And I think I was in the moment and like, yeah, you know, maybe <laughs> that could, you know, I was trying to visualize the experience of loving somebody else first. How is, how could that be possible? Because we cannot give what we don't have if we don't have a reference mm -hmm. of what love is, right? How could, could we give? Yeah, I guess, um, I think that when people say love, we can give um, our time to other people, our compassion to other people. But you know, if you're giving, if you're giving love to someone, love is, you know, it just it transcends everything else. And maybe you think you're giving love, but maybe you're giving attentiveness and you're, you know, like I said, compassion and things like that, giving them your your time and, and listening, but. You know, what's what is true love? Well, you know, if you truly give someone love, that um, you know, from a divine sense, there mm. isn't much greater than that. Mm. Yes, you so said that's a very good 
kind of explanation for that? It's almost like a question, another question, like, what is love to you? Like, th- describe what love yeah. is when, you know, I, I should have asked that question to her. <laughs> I think I didn't. <laughs> but yes, that also makes a lot of sense, right? What is love? Yeah, yeah, I think it's all a matter of vocabulary. You know, like some people are like, I was so traumatized. But what they really should say is I was disgusted or revolted. You know, they, it's, I think the, some people use the word love in the wrong sense. There's a different word that's better for what's happening in their life. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's so true. And um, love to me, it's, it's, yeah, it's highly spiritual, right? It comes from that yes. understanding that it's everything, it's, it's inclusive. So there's nothing that is left on the outside. There's no outside anyway. So it's yeah. it's like the sense of accepting myself as a whole, exactly as I am, everything. I was just thinking about this today because I, I felt the body kind of uh, reacting, responding to the smell. Remember that lotion that I mentioned, that Brazilian yeah. lotion? I'm like, oh, what's this coming from? So when I was, uh, the mind was about to judge that, those, those memories, I thought it was over that. Then, Something came and said, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, too, for them to come and visit <laughs> all those memories. Yes. And that's love. It felt like love. And then yes, was I a- love that. So you honored that moment in time where it was like, I, I'm allowed to remember mm. this. I'm allowed to. It's, it's all okay. I love the, um, I think it's under Moon Work for a Healthy Mind. You talk about healthy boundaries. That caught my attention, too. Because I remember this, that had been one of my biggest, um, let's say, challenges to create boundaries, to say no to people and things. It's getting better now, but I still see uh, it's not easy. So I'd love to hear Bim, talk to me about healthy boundaries. How do we learn to, uh, to get there? Um, what's the safest way to open up and, and start to open up in the sense of uh, loving ourselves enough to say no to others when we meet, mean to say no? Well, I think in order to create a healthy boundary, you have to yourself be in a healthy place. You know, if, if you feel unsafe, you're not going to speak up and say what will be the best thing for you if you are afraid of retaliation or, or something. You know, so sometimes in order to build a healthy boundary, you might have to sever a relationship completely, you know, to, you know, and sometimes it's, um, you know, as tangible as your diet. That's a, a boundary. You know, I said I'm not going to drink alcohol or I'm not going to have um, sweets or whatever. These are boundaries we create with ourselves. And when you you can't even hold your personal boundaries, Mm. creating a healthy boundary with your external environment is even more difficult. So another thing you said in the book that caught my attention, you said men and women experience and express depression differently. Well, I think for men, the hard part is that whole outward masculinity, not masculine energy, but that outward masculinity, you know, they need to be so many things. Um, you know, they have to provide and do all these things for their family or even, you know, themselves, but 
to tap into their emotional side is, is always more difficult. And depression is an emotional state. You know, it's our body is saying something isn't balanced. And sometimes you really have to go inward to see these things. You know, um, whereas women, we have many plates or balls in the air, right? We used to doing all of these things and we're used to being everything for everyone, but maybe not necessarily being recognized for it. Whereas a man, um, like he, he sees a, a man would see his job as these basic things. You know, I have to make sure there's a house, there's a paycheck coming in, there's food coming in. And, you know, it's a little bit harder for them to get to the emotional side of, you know, what, what is driving this behavior? You know, it's, it's okay. It's okay for men to chase their dreams. You know, they don't have to just inherit the family farm, you know, or, or the family business, whatever it is, you know, they, they, they're allowed to go out and find out what makes them happy. Mm. And it's not just making a paycheck to pay the bills. That's mm. just, you know, basic living. In your book, you also said, I think under my story, Living with Depression, you said the best way I came up with to tell my story of my depression and figure out how to fix myself was to journal and describe my life through a sort of timeline. So you, you also give the, um, the exercise called timeline journaling. So I would love to hear the description of that. I never heard about timeline journaling, actually. <laughs> That's well, unique. I, I believe there are, you know, when you think about an illness like diabetes, there's type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And I believe that depression is the same way, whereas this type 2 depression is based on your lifestyle. And when I looked back and I looked at all of these stressful things that um, had happened in my life that led up to the point of being diagnosed with depression, you know, I, I never went inside. I never looked for stillness. I was just going and dealing with one fire after the other. And, um, you know, some things were, were not even real you know, it was the fear when my son would be deployed, the fear of something happening to him would, you know, take my full attention. And, you know, and other things that did happen, it just, you know, some things are out of your control. But back in those days, I drank to deal with those things, which isn't dealing with them, right? It's just momentarily forgetting about them. And, you know, so I wasn't dealing with the struggles of my life and the emotions that came up as a result. Wow, and that, um, for some reason, so this is common actually within women as well, Donna, drinking, because I see that men doing that a lot. i never done it myself, but I see men doing it. Yeah. And it happens um, with women too. I don't too. remember these statistics, but I was mm. reading something um, very recently that we're showing almost an equal amount of women now turning to alcohol as used to be men was dominant, but, um, it's, uh, I don't remember what I was reading. Um, 
but um, they, they were showing how that gap is is definitely more narrow than it used to be. Yes, uh, that's sad to hear because that also means that women are being driven by masculine energies. That's what it feels like, is the doing, always doing something to fix something else instead of stopping, right, and pausing and listening. That's sad to hear, and I thought it was getting better. <laughs> the whole feminine movement with the, the feminine energies, which it feels like, it's, uh, I mean, for me, within my own world, I guess, is becoming a lot more feminine in that sense, in a sense of spirituality rising, uh, the spiritual mind. But um, I guess I'm not out there that much, so I don't know. I don't watch TV or any of those things, so I don't know what's happening. So another part, we're almost at the end. I love the uh, chapter seven in your book. It's about restorative work. And then there you outline, uh, restore the physical body. You have the mind, restore the mind, uh, the emotional self, and the spirit. And you have amazing exercises, lots of them. Wow. And you have to learn to balance all of those things. You know, if if you're just gung-ho on working out, then you're missing a whole other part of yourself that uh, needs attention as well, right? Yes, yes, for, for sure. I usually start with the spirit these days. <laughs> I always go for that as a foundation, and then everything else seems to fall into balance. Little by little, of course. It feels like they're balanced <laughs> uh, somehow. So um, that's my focus. But I know there's no really, it's not linear, right? We can just start anywhere. Uh, some people start with the body. They are a lot of, uh, in, in spiritual traditions, they do have the yoga of Tantra, which is using the physical energies, right, to to get to these higher understand, spiritual understandings. And then some people use the mind, and, and then they, it just it goes on and on. But for some reason, I like the, 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 the more... The subtle, I don't know how to pronounce that word. I think it hopefully exists. I like subtle things. So the more subtle, the better. The deeper, the better. For some reason, yeah, that's my, I'm very attracted to those, anything that's subtle. But I love the exercise, though. They tap into everything, all these components, all the pieces, which is, they are not really pieces, but they they feel like, right? The body feels separate a lot of times, but it's, they are not, it's not separate. And then at the end of the book, you had, um, you do have a symbol that caught my attention too, a beautiful symbol. I was looking at it for a long time. I don't know the pronunciation of, how do you pronounce that? Um, Unalom. Unalom, yeah. Talk to me about that symbol. It's beautiful. My Well, that one in particular, my sister is very, very talented, and she does um, what she calls energetic sketching. And um, so I asked her if she could make a unilome for me. The, you know, the um, semicolon at the bottom was very important. But that unilome, she did her way. So the, the, the moon at the top is actually... Um, stands for a C for Conley, and there are two dots, which would be stars outside of the moon, and those are for my mom and my brother that we've lost, and then the stars on the inside of the moon are us that are still here. Um, she drew that in about three minutes. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It's She's, beautiful. She gets that up for me, but it, it expresses life. Life is not straight, mm. you know, and, and yeah. it's not linear. Yeah. And right. it's, 
when you look at it as a unilome, it's like a beautiful mess, right? <laughs> beautiful mess, right? <laughs> True. So this is something that you, it's very unique too. It's not an universal. It's made of universal symbols, but it's not really you know, as a as a whole. It's um, has to do with your life, your energies. Is that what it is? Yeah, I never it heard. Really it really does. Yes. Ah, yes. wow! It's beautiful. <laughs> I was looking. Yeah, I'm very attracted to symbols too, especially those mystical symbols, sacred symbols. I have them around my room too, if you could see it. The flower of life, you know, those yes. other symbols. The moon, of course, I have the moon here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, how beautiful. I love I love everything about you, Donna. Oh, um, thank you. Talking to you today, just throughout this conversation, has been very peaceful and very healing and um, sacred. That's what uh, the word that comes to me too. Um, oh, that's so beautiful. Thank, thank you so you. much yeah, for sharing you with, um, with us in this reality. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they die, before they lose the body? Um, to know unconditional love, to um, to experience family as a inclusiveness rather than biology, um, and I guess to just experience being them and how amazing it would be to show their truth to the world because we're all unique. And that's how we can learn and grow is mm. by everyone's individuality. Mm, so true. Ah, thank you so much for sharing timeless wisdom. <laughs> we all <laughs> need to be reminded of these things, don't we? All of us. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much for being that beautiful reminder today. So before we say goodbye, where is the best place to find more information about you and your work? Your book, I'll have the link, the Amazon link on your podcast profile as well. Okay. Um, my website is wildmoonhealers.com. And on social media, Facebook or Instagram is Wild Moon Healers. Uh, wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile when it's live. Thank you so much again for your presence, Donna. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Donna Conley and her work, please visit wildmoonhealers.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>